statements. But in this room, on this night, the only issue facing the president and the audience was accessibility. Bill Clinton hadn't had a news conference since being sworn in two months earlier. And already the pundits and analysts and experts were sitting on talk shows, including mine, saying he's got to get out there. He'd better start facing the voters. He needs to sell his 100-day agenda to the public. It was now day 58 for those who insisted on counting. And blah, blah, blah. That's when I realized Bill Clinton was looking right at me. You know why I can stiff you on press conferences? Because Larry King liberated me by giving me to the American people directly. Everyone at the CNN tables chimed in with encouraging shouts of, all right, Larry, and slaps on the back and applause. But let me tell you, the rest of the room turned cold real fast. I could feel the glare from everyone else on a single point in the back of my head, sort of like the red laser that falls on a person in video games or the movies before someone else pulls a trigger. So much for the advice about keeping a sense of humor. After Clinton finished and while we were all standing and applauding, some yahoo I didn't know yelled from a few tables away, Hey, Larry, are you to teach his pet? I smiled and looked back at the podium. And once again my mind was at work thinking how wonderful it is for a poor Jewish kid from Brooklyn to be recognized by the President of the United States, while at the same time thinking how horrible it is that a poor Jewish kid from Brooklyn was recognized by the President of the United States. Bill Clinton had talked for about ten minutes, and the entire room had only heard one line. The room was still freezing when the dinner came to an end, and I decided to get the hell out of the Washington Hilton and walk to my car. The March air felt balmy compared to where I'd been for the past three hours, and I realized something as I walked. Bill Clinton was right. Something happened in 1992 that changed American politics. Instead of a president holding a primetime news conference and being asked questions by the same people who always ask questions, the venue had changed. I know it wasn't the result of a bunch of media experts sitting around a table saying, let's bypass Sam Donaldson and all the other White House correspondents and have our guy talk directly to the lady in Des Moines. Media experts aren't that smart. It was different now. Presidents and candidates for presidents, all of whom are quick to tell you they represent the American people, can now answer questions directly from viewers or listeners and therefore circumvent the Washington correspondent filter altogether. It happened when Ross Perot had appeared on my show a year earlier, and it happened when Bill Clinton took questions on Good Morning America or appeared on Arsenio Hall and played saxophone, and when President Bush was a guest on Today. The medium was the message, and the message was very clear. The disillusioned American could ask questions just as well, if not better, of a candidate as could the highly paid reporter. I think that was the story from the 1992 presidential election. All of us had been witness to a strategic shift in the way we approach a candidate, and just as important, in the way a candidate approaches us. And for many in the main ballroom at the Washington Hilton, the idea just made them sick. As I drove home that evening, I turned the radio to a favorite big band station just in time to hear the words, The world has gone mad today. It was Cole Porter's Anything Goes. That was it. In 1992, we learned what once was the norm is no more. Maybe it happens before every millennium. Maybe that's why Caesar got knocked off 2,000 years earlier. Maybe it's the result of technology speeding up the world. Maybe it's just that the only constant in life is that nothing stays the same. Or maybe Cole Porter had just taught the rest of us something. By the time I pulled into my condo parking lot, the events of the past 30 minutes had made one thing crystal clear. 1992 had been an incredible year, and we'll probably never go through another one like it. And Bill Clinton must be glad, as am I. 
that things will finally slow down. I guess you could call that the understatement of the millennium. Chapter 1. Bill Who? July 20, 1988. I'm sitting in a CNN booth overlooking the floor of the Omni Arena in Atlanta. A couple of hundred feet below, 5,000 Democrats were preparing to make Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis their nominee for President of the United States. My television show, Larry King Live, had been preempted in order to carry the speeches, all of which were designed to rally the delegates on the floor, but more important, the national television audience, around the fact that this son of Greek immigrants, as he described himself again and again and again, was preferable to George Bush. And like most of the delegates, I wasn't paying much attention. Someone was speaking and speaking and speaking, and as he did, I kept thinking how typically democratic this was because every person who we never knew before and will never see...